I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, outs, and nitty gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... Billy Meyer. Who was Billy Meyer? Well, he was the world's most authoritative and prolific photographer of unidentified flying objects. In a world populated by grainy cell phone footage and military-grade cameras capturing inexplicable evidence of unidentified aerial phenomena, Billy Meyer's photography told a different story. One that asserted a simple fact. We are not alone. Oh, and he also founded a religion based on his contacts with extraterrestrial beings. The character of Fox Mulder has ascended past beloved cult TV icon and into a fixture of cultural lexicon. Multiple of Mulder's idioms and obsessions have just become common parlance in everyday American life. Not least among them, I want to believe. This simple statement of a desire to explore the unknown was the heart of The X-Files, a show that lasted nine seasons on Fox and two movies, and then came back for two more seasons. But we won't talk about those. They were bad. Like, even worse than the season where David Duchovny didn't want to be on the show anymore, and so Fox Mulder was, in air quotes, kidnapped by aliens and then held hostage in a warehouse for the whole season while Scully and some random doofus ran around trying to find him. We're talking about one man on a quest to illuminate the darkness. One man who had a shadowy past, molded by trauma, who kept faith even in the light of cold hard facts that presented him with no further possible options than to admit that everything that he held dear was a lie. No, we're not talking about Fox Mulder anymore, really. We're talking about someone who took the photo that hung on the wall of everyone's favorite sex addict with a penchant for sunflower seeds and oral fixations, the man Billy Meyer. Was that too oblique a reference? I'm trying to say that the uh, poster in the X-Files that hung on Fox Mulder's wall was taken by a guy named Billy Meyer. So, Spandrew, I'm assuming that you, like me, are uh, an, an X-Files devotee. I do believe that I am. Uh, what's your first experience with the X-Files? And um, were you? did you ever have the poster, the I Want to Believe poster? And are, were you aware of Billy Meyer prior to me being like, let's do a Billy Meyer episode? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? There's a whole museum in my hometown de dedicated to him. To him specifically or just the Roswell crash? Billy Meyer has a huge section of the the UFO museum in Roswell. Like there's a whole room with his photography and all and all the lore. Um the yeah, I mean for sure. I, I didn't have the poster. Um I don't really think I had any like alien memorabilia. That I feel like that I was into aliens and stuff, but I feel like having alien memorabilia growing up or living in Roswell, New Mexico would have just been like it, it would be like living in like fucking like living in Washington, D.C. and then just having like a poster of the president on your wall. Like, it's just like, what are you doing? I think a lot of people do that, bro. I think a lot of people have photos of Ronald Reagan even now. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the for sure. But did you ask me what did you ask me about the X-Files? Yeah, I basically was just like, are you a fan? What was your first experience? Did you have the poster? I didn't have the poster. Like I said, don't ask me again. I already told you. But uh <laughs> But did you have the poster though? Uh, yes, actually, I had actually. Oh, I had, oh really? I had five of them. Oh wow! One, one for each of my bedrooms. <laughs> you were just really rich growing up. No, it was weird. We were like, we were really poor, 
but they just insisted I have five bedrooms. Oh, wow. Okay. We didn't eat some nights, but yeah, no, I, I, yes, I did have it in all five of my rooms. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I was, I mean, I, I was and am a huge X-Files fan. Uh, we've, we've talked about it on previous episodes, but like, you know, I don't know if I would have been a huge alien paranormal fan, uh, fan if I didn't live in Roswell, I probably would have, but certainly like living, growing up and living in Roswell, New Mexico and kind of like, I was like really into the lore of it. And I just really like, I was really into the idea of like, oh, just like right over there in this field where like just there's a bunch of meth heads hanging out. There were some aliens that like fucking landed there. Um, and I, wa- I, I watched, yeah, I watched X-Files for sure, uh, growing up and rewatched the show a couple times in the years since. I just recently did a big rewatch, like maybe last year or the year before. Uh, and I think I, I think I hit a wall around season seven. That's where I kind of just was like, man, season, the back half of season six is so rough. And season seven is just like, woof. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot of shows like that where there's a lot of shows for me where I re- rewatch them. And I'm just like, how did this show get past the first season? Like, the show is great, but the first season is bad. Like, how did this show in in today's in in this day and age, this show would have gotten canceled after five episodes? But somehow it just has like, like the first two seasons of X Files are not that good, and some and somehow it just kept going, which I'm glad. Obviously, there's good stuff in there. It's not. It's not season 10 and 11 levels of bad. You know what I mean? Like, there's not an episode where Mulder and Scully are trapped inside of a self-driving car. <laughs> that episode sucks so hard. Yeah. that Yeah, definitely a, a shark jumper. Yeah. Edward Albert Meyer, known more commonly as Billy, was born in Bullock, Zurcher, Unterland, Switzerland in 1937. Not much is known about his childhood, save for a few key facts. But even those are all shrouded in uncertainty, because, like any good shadowy conspiracy type, Billy Meyer is something of an unreliable narrator. An odd child, Billy dropped out of school before he finished sixth grade. In his teens, he ran into trouble, landing him on the wrong side of the law multiple times. What did he do? Did he murder somebody? Run around wrecking cars in a high-stakes game of cloak and dagger while being pursued by the Swiss police for exposing the truth of extraterrestrial life? No, he mostly just committed some misdemeanors. However, in 1953, he was convicted of theft and forgery and sentenced to a prison term in Rheinau. Not one to sit on his laurels, Billy Meyer took things into his own hands. And by that, we mean he staged an escape. And not a failed escape. He went full-on Great Escape Steve McQueen style. I hate to be a wet blanket this early on, especially because, like, as we just talked about and as we've talked about many times before, like, I'm totally into this stuff. Like, like I, wa- I want to believe I do want to believe and I do believe I think I think I think there's probably aliens but it's 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 interesting and also the fact that he escaped from jail is is pretty badass but uh it's interesting how all of these figures where it's like oh this person who uh knows this secret truth about some mysterious thing they they know that there's aliens and they've witnessed them or like oh they know about this underground society of you know devil worshiping cult members and they want to expose the truth they always have a very obvious and publicly known early criminal history of fraud and forgery and like fucking con artistry it, they always do and nobody's ever like hmm that might mean something that might correlate in some way 
the only one that really doesn't is like the the interracial couple that were the first you know major ufo abductees yeah it's not like betty and barney hill were like i don't know what happened to them i'm not sure it was an alien abduction or not but they're not people that are like con artists and they didn't go on to like talk to aliens for the rest of their fucking life right um actually that might not be true i feel like there's some shady shit about her after her husband dies I feel like some there's some stuff with her where she like claimed to be psychically connected to an alien culture or something. Um, but whatever. It wasn't at the time when they were fucking doing it in the first place. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The tropes of these alien like witnesser types are always like they're the only person on Earth that can communicate with the aliens. They, uh, you know, they they have the tropes of the, the missing time, being abducted, probes, all that stuff. And then an early career of con artistry. <laughs> yes. It's like always fucking just like super <laughs> shady stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, even like Bob Lazar, the guy who claims that he worked at um, at Area 51, like he also was a pimp. Like he like ran a prostitution ring for a while, you know, like, hmm, don't know about that one. That being said, I find Bob Lazar's I find Bob Lazar's personally just me. I find Bob Lazar's claims more credible than Billy Meyer after looking into this. Like I was kind of familiar with Billy Meyer just from the photos and stuff but I was not like a hardcore like I knew everything about him and I still don't but I've watched multiple interviews with him and the stuff he says is so tropey where at least Bob Lazar like he knows specific stuff I don't know if he I don't know if he's making up the alien stuff or not making up the alien stuff but he definitely worked at Area 51 because he knows stuff that nobody who didn't work there would know yeah I mean that it's kind of I mean obviously like the entirety of the UFO museum is like just all kayfabe, like tourist kayfabe. Like there's no, like you go in there and I don't even remember. Maybe there was a day whenever the UFO museum was like owned by some out there, like UFO, UFO enthusiasts or, or, or whatever. I don't ever remember that being the vibe. Um, I just remember it being like a place, honestly, like kids would go there and hang out, but like a place where you could just kind of like go through and look at all these really just touristy, fucking things um it didn't feel like this true believer crafted place that wanted you to like you know that wanted to convince you that these things were true and i i i re i've gone back to the ufo museum like as an adult and it's still the same thing like nobody working there seems like they're like fucking true believers they're just they're just people working there um but the the funny thing is is just the the um there's a there's a part of the uh of the museum that's kind of focused on bob lazar and it's kind of like and like i said it's all it's kayfabe and i doubt they actually believe any of this stuff but like that part of the museum is kind of the way because they all they have like these plaques with like texts on them and you go through and you read and they kind of set him up as like he's like the real like the real deal like uh, up until this point all of these like people who had claimed to see ufos or whatever like they would all just be kind of like opportunists and people that nobody took seriously. And then he was the first guy to come along and like and like be a real whistleblower. Yeah. know that he was like a real whistleblower that actually came like they had actual firsthand knowledge of the situation rather than just like some wacko who just claims he got abducted or whatever. I th the, the stuff that's interesting to me about him, too, is like most of the stuff that's shady about him is like real shady where it's like he ran a prostitution ring and he like stole a bunch of shit and like 
you know, he's got, I think he went to jail for the prostitution stuff. And then like, you know, there's, there's all of these kind of like, uh, you know, he's drawn all these diagrams of how the, um, the UFOs bend space and time. He doesn't ever claim that he ever really saw an alien, only that he worked on the ships. And he says that he was walking by a door once and looked in and saw something that he thinks is an alien, but it wasn't sure inside of a room being interrogated by some people. And it turned around and was like, oh, hey there. <laughs> hey there, Mr. Lazar, I'm a big fan. You want to you want a half of this PB&J? You want to break off yourself a little bit of this PB&J? Pretty good. Oh, you didn't know? In Alpha Centauri, all we eat is PB&Js. That's why we're always coming to Earth. Earth's number one export is PB&J. On our planet, PB&Js is actually, they're little animals and you have to hunt them. And we actually hunted all PB&Js out of extinction. So we came here and we were like, God dang, you guys just, you guys just put some bread together and put a little of this juice on here and you got a little PB&J? This is delicious. And we don't even have to take any sentient laugh. Also, I, if memory serves, I think Bob Lazar has changed his story once or twice. Like, I think at one point he actively said he saw aliens and then realized that it made him like initially he said he didn't. And then after like 10 years of being outside of Area 51, he started saying that he did see aliens. But then I think he realized it made him sound crazy. So he stopped saying that. And then he started he was giving an interview and he's like, yeah. And so I walked by and, and I saw the alien and he was like, hey. You want to come in here and get half of this BLT? And they're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said it, you said it was a PB&J. And he's like, oh, no, the, that was a different time. And he's like, yeah, we also, I mean, we love these BLTs. They, they weren't on our planet. That wasn't the PB&J thing. That was a whole separate deal. But like when we came to the planet to get the PB&J, we also tried the BLTs. And even though we'd never had them before, we thought they were delicious. So we're I kind of switch off every other day. One day it's a BLT, one day it's PB&J, you know? And then another alien walks in and he's holding a subway bag and he's like, hey, y'all, you want to try one of these Italian BMTs? He's like, he's like, basically any food that's an acronym, we're into it. We're really into it. Check it out. It's got your Italian and it's got a, a, a BMT. Isn't that crazy? It's got the it's got the B. It's got the M. It's got the T. I don't know what any of them mean, but put them together and break me off half of them. And you want half of it, and we'll just sit here and have lunch. Yeah, we'll just hang out. Come on, Mister Lazar. <laughs> and it c- cut back to the podcast, and they're just like, huh. <laughs> That's right. At 15 and a half or 16 years old, Billy Meyer broke out of the facility and went on the run. This would be a constant in the life of Billy Meyer. His vision seemed to always exceed his grasp because even though he could dream these wild escape fantasies, he couldn't always pull them off convincingly. But we'll get to that. Now a wanted felon on the lam, he illegally crossed the border and joined the French Foreign Legion in order to find safe harbor. But as if that wasn't enough excitement for him, then he also went rogue and left that too, going AWOL from the Foreign Legion in order to return home to Switzerland. I love the idea that young Billy Myers just like, he just can't commit to something, you know? He's just kind of like, yeah, I am thinking that I will go to the, I don't know why he has a German accent, but that's what I'm doing. and I'm, I'm just sticking to it. Yeah, I will go to this prison. Yeah, I've just, I've been convicted of forgery. Yeah. I will go to this prison. Thank you, Judge. Thank you. Okay, fuck this. I'm getting out of here immediately. And then, like, makes a bed sheet, you know, rope, climbs out the window. He's like, suckers, I will see you later. 
goes on the run. He's like, oh, the French Foreign Legion, this sounds great. Joins the French Foreign Legion. Oh, this is not great. This is dangerous. I don't want to be in here no more. Amazing. Just fucking science. He tries to remake his life like five times. Every time he's like, oh, this is not good for me. No, fuck this. He's like, oh, I thought I thought I would enjoy the French Foreign Legion, but uh, they're, they're all really rude. They are so rude. Why are they so rude to me? Don't they know that I was raised in the in the French speaking part of Switzerland? <laughs> that's that's why I have the that's why I have this German accent because when you actually mix together the 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 French language and and the Swiss accent, it just comes out as a German accent speaking English. Yeah, you don't know this. You're not familiar with this phenomena. It's like when you it's like mixing colors and you get a new color. Yeah, it's called the French Swiss German accent axis. No, you're not familiar with this? Okay. I will let this bit die then. <laughs> um, Billy Meyer does have a crazy accent in real life, but it's not a German accent. So from here, we now jump to 1965. Billy Meyer uh, loses an arm. He basically goes on like a sojourn. He just kind of like travels the world. And he, he in 1965, he loses his left arm in an accident in Turkey. This, uh, I think it was a car crash. Uh, this was during what Meyer claimed was a spiritual sojourn. He got deaf leoparded. He got deaf leoparded. He claimed to have visited somewhere near 42 countries in just over 10 years. Now, do we do we believe that Billy Meyer actually visited 10 countries or uh, 42 countries in 10 years? I don't know. We I, we don't believe it. But we, what we do believe is that if he put as enough time and effort and and determination into it, he could play drums. <laughs> the the thing that's interesting to me about this though is that you know, we've covered multiple cult leaders on the on the show before and they all have this period. The like where they lose an arm and and build a contraption for the to be able to play drums again. Kind of, you know, the spiritual losing of an arm, uh except the arm usually manifests as like a family and a pre-existing life, you know? Um like everybody that is a cult leader reaches you know the top of maslow's hierarchy of needs and then goes off into the jim carrey zone and then is like fuck this i'm gonna divorce my wife leave these kids that i don't even give a shit about and i'm gonna go live in tibet for five years and then come back and change my name and start a fucking cult like full leopard full leopard yeah um but it's interesting to me that billy meyer kind of did this but without the first part it's almost like because he started so young and also because he's such a fucking weirdo that he was never constrained by like the first period of a, uh, adhering to a normal, um, you know, they they basically have like the, you know, there's a there's an arc where you're kind of you have a normal childhood, you're unfulfilled, you start doing what people tell you to do with your life, you get married, you have a, buy a house, whatever, and then because that is so. You, because you you can't figure out what to do with your life in that point, then you have this big break where you decide, oh, fuck this. None of this stuff has brought me happiness. I'm going to go try and control and manipulate people and start a fucking cult. And like so many cult leaders follow that trajectory. And uh, it's interesting that Billy Meyer kind of has that. Like he's got aspects of that weird burgeoning cult stuff, but without the charisma and without the like, I'm going to dissolve a family and like almost like sacrifice these people on the emotional pyre of I am now going to go pursue this thing. Um, it's really interesting to me. Yeah, well, I think that's that's kind of the two paths. I, I feel like we've talked about other people on the show before and like nobody's coming to mind specifically. Maybe maybe somebody will will come to your mind. But 
I feel like we've com- we've covered people before where we we said kind of the same thing where it's like this person almost could have been a cult leader. They had all the trappings of it and all of the trajectory of it, but they just like weren't they didn't have the ca- the charisma or the X factor or they just weren't weren't like a hard enough worker to pull together everything that you have to do to become like to get like thousands of people to follow you and like build a f- like a nation state basically. And I, and there's so there's like those two people. There's the people that like can start the cult, and then there's the people that like they have all the same recipe, but they just don't. They can't take it that extra ten percent, and then they end up doing just some weird back channel con artistry bullshit, which is a hundred percent what Billy Meyer did, <laughs> like a hundred percent. But I think that there's it's interesting that the you know the tropes of the people that we're both interested in kind of keep falling into these buckets right these like people who are dissatisfied with their everyday life who decide to reinvent themselves people who invent new personas for themselves people who kind of um find meaning in areas that other people would not have the brazen ego to venture into um i I think that's fascinating that like we don't ever really like you know it's not like you spandrew spice and i uh, sit around and go like how can we write episodes about people who uh, pretend to be other people like we don't do that but in all of these individuals who have like bizarre stories that are worthy of attention in some way everyone's always playing a character right and I feel like in some ways that's kind of like the weird meta theme of the show is like trying to sort out the real person from the character they're playing um, which is an impossible task like no one will ever really know um, but the discussion is the interesting part. Yeah. And I, I, I'm as, as you're saying this, I'm in my mind trying to like, trying to like crunch the, the, the equation because it, it's interesting. I was thinking about this the other day, but I was thinking, I kind of feel like the reason why people are obsessed with figures like Elon Musk is because I think it's kind of a, if the very specific, the, 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 the like clickbait headline that I thought of was that, uh, anime has led to people's obsession with people like Elon Musk, because I think that the reason why people become obsessed with Elon Musk or people like him and why they have these people, these people that just like, like just full heartedly worship him is because he gives off this particular vibe. Like he always kind of like knows the next step. Like he's always one step ahead of everybody. Um, and that's a power fantasy for a lot of people. And it reminds me of of villains and sometimes protagonists in anime where they're just like they'll be locked in these like intricate um, battles, sometimes physical, sometimes of the wit, where it's just like, ha, you thought that you were getting me when you did that. But in reality, I knew you were going to do that. And I already did this whenever you were going to do that. And so now I actually have the upper hand and the other person's like, oh, my God. Um, that's like a that's like this power fantasy of being in control of your life, you know. And I think that like Elon Musk, he gives off that it's it's bullshit. But like that's the vibe he gets. And I think that a lot of young men like really gravitate towards him because He's like a fucking anime hero where he always knows what's happening and he's he's always cool. He never is surprised by anything and everything is always un- under his control. So like what is that for this for us? 
Like, why are we so fascinated by this? I don't think I fully know. Yeah, I have no idea why the two of us would be really like weirdly compelled with trying to figure out the motivations behind people pretending to be other people that are very similar to themselves and look like themselves, but are not themselves, you know, like in some ways there's an existential, it's like a game of existential werewolf. You know what I mean? Where like you meet all these people in your everyday life, they present themselves to you in a certain manner and you take it at face value that that's who they are. But in these stories that we're kind of deconstructing every week on the show, we're always trying to examine like, is that actually who you are? Are you lying to me? Is there a is there an ulterior motive here that I'm not fully picking up on? Um, yeah, so I, I really don't know why. But it's an obsession we both share because like we both pick the topics for the show and some of the episodes you write, some of the episodes I write. And even when Andrew was the the host of the show, like he would write episodes and they would still kind of be about this theme. Like it, it's very strange. Yeah, maybe 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 someday we'll unpack that and it'll be the greatest Deep Cuts episode of all. <laughs> the, the Deep Cuts episode on the Deep Cuts podcast. <laughs> Turns out I'm not a real person. I'm just me. I'm just me in glasses. I don't actually wear glasses in real life. <laughs> or we just we both realize that we're we're both. I, I, this is kind of a tangent, but I, I I had a funny idea for a sketch years ago that just ended up being like a cutting room floor, like we never did it. But it was it was a it was a sketch about a bunch of people working at like a random retail store, like a Kinko's or whatever. And one day they all re- they all find out that every single one of them is an eccentric millionaire who was posing as a commoner to try to like get back in touch with their fellow man. But they all they all independently were that at this one store. And and they all just come to that realization one day where they're just like, wait a minute, we're all just millionaires. We're all just Elon Musk's. So what I was going to say is one day we both realize that we're both just like a bunch of mice in a suit. Somehow uh, we find out that you don't actually need to wear that eye patch. <laughs> what what a what a what a wacky world that would be. So fucking crazy. Sometime after that, he met and married a Greek woman named Calliope Zephyru, with whom he had three children. Okay, what's the deal on Billy Martin? He is a Swiss farmer who looks like ZZ Top, wearing a long beard, who says that he's been contacted by a group of extraterrestrials from the Pleiadians. These are the Pleiadians. And the Pleiadians are showing Billy Meyer their spacecraft, odd little shaped things that also look like wedding cakes that are hanging from trees, all out of proportion, all distorted. Nevertheless, people believe in these photos and they give Billy Meyer predictions. Now, these are vague predictions. Here's a war in the Middle East. There's a war in Southeast Asia, and Billy Meyer reports these to his acolytes who say he is the prophet of the Pleiadians. But today, most people in ufology say the Billy Meyer case is a long-running, but fascinating and really funny hoax.
the best part of that is that Zoom thought that all of the noises you were making were background noise, and so, <laughs> so they suppressed just, all just, of it. It's just me going. It's just you going like this for like thirty seconds. I was doing the I was doing the techno from the. Oh, I could I knew I pieced it together. <laughs> I knew what was happening. Yeah. Uh, so that's a little clip from a History Channel thing about Billy Meyer. Um, so yeah, the uh, the story that he claims. Uh, to have been a part of is this alien race called the Pleiadians and uh, he both is visited by them physically and psychically he's seen their spaceships multiple times and um, some people think it's real some people don't Meyer claims his existential encounters began in 1942 at the age of five when he met an elderly Pleiadian named Svath after Svath's death in 1953, Meyer said that he began encountering extraterrestrial women, one called Asket. All contact ceased in 1964 and then resumed again January 28th in 1975. Hey, Billy, is that there an alien? I don't know. Ask it. He claims to have been contacted by uh, the granddaughter of Svath and other aliens since. During this time, having claimed to interact with multiple extraterrestrials uh, was just the beginning, and his stories would blossom as a thing, you know, people tend to do. So what drove Billy to undertake this? Why did he risk his name and reputation by not only saying that he would interacted with aliens, but then going so far as to attempt to document it decades before anyone else? Well, that's anyone's guess. He's a quintessential conspiracy type, always making predictions and claims that are sort of half true his experience with the aliens who he claimed belonged to the race called the pleiadians lasted basically his entire life so before we listen to some of some of the claims that billy meyer makes uh spandrew how you feeling about billy meyer what do you think about billy meyer uh do you like his beard do you not like his beard do you think we should both grow beards like that do you not think we should both grow beards like that well yeah i love i love how that guy was like he looked like ZZ Top, like as if that was just like a guy. Like that's the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ZZ Top, the guy, ZZ Top. Yeah. And not, and not, you know, Billy Gibbons and Frank Beard and the third guy that I don't remember his name. Is his name really Frank Beard? Yeah, that's the whole thing about ZZ Top. It's like there's two guys with long beards and then one guy who doesn't have a beard and his name is Frank Beard. That's amazing. I had, I, uh, you say this like I'm familiar with ZZ Top. I'm not. I know nothing about ZZ Top other than like they're a cultural cultural figure and they have beards. That's that's all I know. I mean, yeah, Billy, Billy Gibbons is one of the greatest guitar players in in, in history, but uh, and he's dead now. But yeah, uh, the yeah. But other than that, like, yeah, he does. I mean, he does look like ZZ Top. He's right. The man ZZ Top. He does look like the man ZZ Top. He looks pretty cool. He's got legs. He knows how to use them. He's a sharp dressed man. Uh huh. Uh, the song that they play in the 1855 dance scene in Back to the Future Three, uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a little, I'm coming up a little. So far, I'm coming up a little lukewarm on our boy Billy Meyer. Like he's not wowing me in the huckster department so far. He, he, you know, he. He lost an arm very, you know, that, that's like, you know, that's a great origin story. And I feel like he's he's underutilizing it. Yeah, he should have come up with like a, the Pleiadians, they took my arm in, when I was in the turkey. Yeah, well, he's, he's check up, we're getting some Chekhov's arm here. <laughs> Don't have your protagonist lose an arm in the first act if he doesn't grow an alien sentient arm in <laughs> the third act. 
Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think you know we're gonna we're gonna look at some of his photography in depth in a minute. Uh, but before we do that, let's let's hear from the man himself. You know, let's 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 hear the words from the bearded mouth of Billy Meyer. Because I'm the single one on earth who is able to have uh, no um, a physical contact or uh, no telepathic contact with the Pleiadians. There is no any other human being on earth who is, who is able to do the same thing like I do. Um, uh, this has, uh, this has a, a very long story. It goes back to a very old time on the start of the Lyra picture and Vega picture and uh, to a label who is called Arahata Prasata. There was a... Well, he really, uh, he really doesn't sell it too much. He's really not like a showman, you know? He just kind of like says stuff where he's just like, we are here and there's these guys, they're Pleiadians, they're aliens, and you get reincarnated. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say like the same exact thing, which is like the, you know, aside from a few notable uh, exceptions, like, a, you know, a Dr. Richard Feynman or a Michio Kaku or you know, even kind of Albert Einstein, you know, the usually sort of like uh, theoretical physicists tend to not be particularly charismatic and they kind of don't know how to break things down for the layman. And so I think that the reason why sometimes the sciences aren't as uh, respected or people don't have as much comprehension for them is because it's just very like the, the, the people who are in the field just do a, not a very good job of evangelizing it. And uh, this and, and then you have other people who, you know, proselytize their junk science and their conspiracy theories and their cult ideologies and their made up paranormal bullshit and they capture people's imagination much more because the stories are kind of inherently more fascinating and they're very good at selling them. And like this guy is not good at selling this. He's got he's got the delivery of some stuffy theoretical physicist. But like if you're going to if you're going to be that bad at selling yourself, you've got to back it up with real shit. But he's like bad at selling himself and also it's all made up. <laughs> I mean I like the idea of what he's saying that, you know, the the thing that the the hard part about it to me is the the chosen one tropes. If he was just like, hey, I, for whatever reason, you know, due to the way reincarnation works, I'm able to operate or vibrate at a higher frequency and I can connect with these Pleiadians um, in a way that no one else on the planet can. And so because of that, I find myself in multiple places where they are and I can I've taken photos of their ships and I've gone aboard their ships and I've seen stuff like I could maybe buy that but the thing is like he doesn't there's not there's it's the thing for me is that all of the chosen one stuff is so like oh no I am the only person who can do this I have encountered multiple people that are aliens over you know decades it's not like oh I just kind of have like a sensory connection with it and so that's why i just kind of end up in these places where ufos are it's like no i'm like the lightning rod for humanity to talk to these aliens which is just that's hard to believe for me as opposed to 
I feel like I phrased it clumsily because I was trying to work it out in my head as I was saying it. Like the chosen one stuff doesn't really resonate for me. The I just am kind of like peripherally more sensitive than other people because of the the way I was reincarnated. That to me makes more sense than I am the, you know, the Neo of the Pleiadian resurgence. These Pleiadians that came down to Earth and they were like, we got to find somebody who help who will help us connect with the humanity so that we can get as much uh, PB&Js and BLTs back onto our home planet as possible. Let's pick the most boring guy ever. They show up and there's a like a bunch of uh, FBI and CIA operatives there initially to greet them. Uh, hello, Mr. Pleiadian Asket person. My name is uh, John Smith with the CIA and I'm Bill Buckwright with the FBI. And they're like, well, we love three letter acronyms. So we're all going to get along. Great. Wait, what's a black site facility? You ever thought about slipping yourself between a couple pieces of white bread? <laughs> you, ever, you ever thought about eating yourself as a delicious lunchtime Sammy? You ever thought about just starting at the fingers and just starting to eat and just seeing when the lights go out? <laughs> you ever thought about how fun it would be to just like invert your teeth and eat your own head? Yeah, I've like, been seriously like think about it. Like when, when, at what point when you're eating yourself, do you eat too much of yourself and then you're no longer yourself? At what point do you pass the Rubicon? And go from a cannibal into just, like, enjoying yourself and your company. Your own company. Is it really cannibalism if you're eating yourself? We've had to ask ourselves these questions a lot because we have a lot of, like, ethical struggles with uh, massively overhunting these PB&J animals on our home planet. And we've basically wiped them out of extinction. And so we just, we just, we, we, we kind of play around with these ideas a little bit. But uh, anyway, um... Where are we? Why are you? Why are you locking me into this cage? <laughs> Wait, why am I being put into the back of this windowless van that's covered in machine guns? Who are those guys, and why are they wearing only black? I don't understand. Roswell, Roswell, huh? That's a funny name. Whenever I, whenever I saw uh, Independence Day in theaters when it came out, nineteen ninety-six, uh, the part in like the middle of the movie i forget the context but there's something where will smith is like something about like oh kind of like that thing that happened in roswell and the whole theater was like (laughs) and that's when you knew that you were going to be a man in black yep that's when i that's 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 when i knew that i was gonna i was gonna enter the academy for some reason watching independence day made me think of this even though it was a different movie but i was like yeah I'm, i'm going i'm gonna become a man i'm a man in black here come the men in black. Galaxy, Galaxy defenders. defenders. Oh, oh, should oh, I say protectors? Oh. It's defenders, yeah. Yep. Here come the men in black. All that you remember. Billy Meyer's quest for spiritual enlightenment is riddled across all of his writings. He claimed that the Pleiadians granted him knowledge and that he was the only person on Earth who was psychically evolved enough to comprehend their offerings. He claimed that they took him in their ship, traveled through time, and he learned the secrets of reincarnation. He even said that at a high enough level of spiritual enlightenment, an individual can choose to be reincarnated as a man or a woman. But if you falter in that moment, you become homosexual in your next life. Not the best look, dude. There it is. There it is. There it is. We found it. 
Yep. No, uh, no whammies or whatever the fuck that shit was. We found the moment where this whole thing is just some weird way of saying gay people are bad. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we found it. Mm-hmm. And it's like the weirdest thing too. It's like it's like yeah, like you're if you don't do it right, the printer gets jammed and then you're gay. <laughs> yeah. But that's another element that we haven't touched on. While most people focus on Billy Myers' outlandish alien theories, he's also wildly homophobic, anti-Semitic, and holds deeply regressive viewpoints. So, let's listen to some. I feel like that third thing is redundant. I feel like your face is redundant. I mean, some would say that it is with just an eye patch. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is not a difference because spirit form or spirit is exactly the same. Yeah. But... Uh, if we are no, back, back. You're in the 40s. You're in an hour. No, it's at 2930. We are. Oh, you're. I forgot. I forgot. Your 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 thing is fucked up. Yeah. This is just doing this on its own. From the spirit. Right there. Oh, right there. Oh, dear God. What the fuck? Right there. Just click it. Yeah. Possible to change it in this life that they come to real good uh, thinkings and feelings and they can change in this life that's absolutely possible is it possible to if you choose next lifetime not to be physical can you get into what they call light body no that's absolutely impossible uh, the human being from the beginning, from the earliest beginning to that point. So anyway, the the light beings, the Pleiadians, they enter your body, they reincarnate yourself, you're taken up into a spacecraft where you are spit out into a spiritual realm and then you are put into a new physical form where you will reign on Earth as the Pleiadians watch over you. Oh, uh, so is there a way you could possibly, like, come back as not, like, a non-physical form? No, that's fucking crazy. The fuck are you talking about? That's absurd. That is absurd. That's so stupid that you would think you could be a light being. What I'm telling you is that you can choose how to be reincarnated as a man or a woman. If you think too much, then you'll be fucking gay. That's what I'm telling you. You're just speaking fucking crazy talk. Come on, man, get serious. When he comes... A light body or, or a, a spirit body, how we say. It takes uh, between 60 and 80 billion years with several thousands or billions of incarnations or reincarnations, how you ever say. It's absolutely impossible to uh, have three incarnations or 1,000 incarnations on this earth and then you will be so clever to get out of your body to come a light body or a spirit body is absolutely impossible. All right, this is just ridiculous. Like <laughs> Billy Meyer looks like he worked as a mall store Santa Claus for 20 years 
until somebody realized that he's technically not supposed to be within 50 feet of any children. Billy Meyer looks like the type of guy who tries to sell you used acorns. Billy Meyer looks like he's a decade deep into witness protection program after escaping the watch building mafia. Billy Meyer looks like the type of guy who goes to lens crafters and gets so irate that he can't buy the same glasses he bought in 1959 that they have to permanently bar him from every lens crafters across the country. Billy Meyer looks like one day he noticed like an oddly long whisker on the bottom of his chin and he just absentmindedly yanked at it and it started coming out and then he started pulling it and then like one of those weird Play-Doh play sets, all of his hair just like disappeared from his head and came out the bottom of his face. Billy Meyer looks like the type of person who smells things way too long. Uh, so what do you think? You buy in, you buy in uh, Billy Meyer's explanation for uh, homosexuality? You think, he, uh, you think he's got something here? I mean, I don't know if he's right or wrong, but all I'm going to say is I'm going to try it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Uh, that's a good call. That's a good call. It's like the whole it's like the Harry Potter thing where you have to like walk in between the numbers to go into the right train or whatever the fuck happens. It's like you got to like you got to like wink and fart at the same time and then you're gay in the next <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah you're just like a disembodied corporeal energy about to be reincarnated and billy meyer just like pops up in the pleiadian ship and he's like now do the fart and the wink that we talked about <laughs> or yeah or it's like it's like it's like this thing that i figured out when i was a kid and i actually made a website about it because i looked around on the internet and i couldn't find anybody else that said anything about this and i was like i think i discovered this and that could be true. I don't know. Although I did see people talking about it later on in retrospect. But I figured out this thing where if you connect two Game Boys with a link cable and you start trading a Pokemon, there's a certain point in the process where as the Pokemon is traveling from one Game Boy to the next, if you leave one Game Boy on, but you turn off the Game Boy at this very exact moment in the process, which I forget, um, when you that the 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 transfer will finish out on the other Game Boy and they'll get the Pokemon. But then when you turn your Game Boy back on, you'll still have it in your inventory. So you can you can infinitely clone Pokemon in this way. And I made and it was like this process of like at this exact right moment, ah, you got to switch it off. And I made a web I made a GeoCities website about this. And that's what it reminds me of. It's like that. It's like you switch it off right at the moment and gay. You get to be gay. <laughs> Well, like you said, I'm definitely going to try it. I'm def when I die, I'm 100% going to wink fart pokemon myself into being gay. 100%. It's like here goes nothing. <laughs> here goes nothing. Pika! <laughs> it worked. Meyer founded a non-profit tax-paying organization based on his contacts with these aliens called the Free Community of Interest of the Border and Spiritual Sciences of UFOlogy in the late 1970s. He also established the Semges Silver Star Center, the organization's headquarters, which was located in Switzerland. Oh, I love that early 90s JRPG. <laughs> yeah. So basically, he tried to start a, tried to start a cult. Um, I don't actually know how successful he was. It doesn't seem like he was particularly successful from the stuff I've read online, but I don't know because we're so far removed from it at this point, like how many followers he had or didn't have. Um 
That's so funny to me, though. Like, you know, you know, that thing that happens where there's certain things where if you go all in on it and then it fails, it's just like a mark on your life. Like if like you, 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 you run for some kind of weird political office. And like, if you're not like, if you're not a politician or whatever, and you run for this political office, and you put all this effort into it and you, and, and then the, the, the election happens and you just don't win at all. Like not, not even close. Like that's just like for the rest of your life, you're just like that fucking idiot who just like tried that thing and just failed horribly. So you mean like Beto O'Rourke? Yes, exactly. That's literally Beto O'Rourke loses election twice in a row, has all this smoke, all this hype around him of like, oh, like progressive Texas uh, politician who's trying to do all these progressive things and just like not even close. And it's so bad that he's just like, he's just quitting politics. Like he's just done. He's out. It's like that. It's very funny to me. The idea of trying to start a cult and it doesn't work. That's really funny to me. Yeah. Especially it's really funny just because, you know, we've talked about people in the past who've tried and failed or tried and succeeded to start cults. And you kind of can see why with all of them, right? Like, uh, what's his face? John McAfee. We all know why that guy started a cult because he was trying to have people shit in his mouth, like just a never ending people of never ending train of people shitting in his mouth. That's why he started that cult. Right. Yeah. It was like modular human centipede. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But uh, with with Billy Meyer, it's kind of like I'm so curious, like, is he a crazy freak behind closed doors and like has all this weird baggage or is he just like a non-sexual hermit who's just like, we must talk about the Pleiadians now. He's just like looking for somebody to hang out with him at a coffee shop and be like, no, when Asket came to me when I was five, we talked about the space time continuums. Yeah, that's 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 a good point, too, because it's like, is yeah, is he is he a John McAfee where he has some weird uh, sexual proclivities or some kind of like sexualized hunger for power in some way? Or is it like that one episode of Community? I don't remember which one it was, but there are. Abed is at some kind of bar or something, and he strikes up a conversation with this 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 guy, this 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 gay guy who's like hitting on him, and they 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 talk for hours, and Abed is just talking about Farscape the entire time, and he thinks that they're like bonding and like they're kind of like he flirted with him and then like they're on like a date now, and they're talking for hours, and at the end of it, he's just like, oh, I'm not gay or whatever. And he's like, what? Like, why did you sit here and talk to me for like four hours then? And he's like, oh, I just really like talking about Farscape. Is is he, is he the that or is he that? I just like sitting here droning on about this weird made up bullshit. And the fact that you guys are like taking this seriously and like turning it into this real thing is like, that's on you. Yeah, the interview with him is from 1989, the one that we were playing. And it's interesting that he like. Oh, and by the way, in that by the way, in that scenario of this community episode at the end, when the guy's like, why did why, you're not gay? Why didn't you? Why did you talk to me for four hours? Billy Meyer would have been like, oh, wait a minute. All right. I'm gay now. You got you got distracted by a text and didn't even fucking react to that golden joke. It was a golden joke. I'm sorry. I I, I thought that that was another one of those chase things. My phone was ringing and I just silenced it. I'm sorry. For the listeners at home, that wasn't that sounded like I said something and there was just crickets. But it was because he just looked at his phone and just wasn't paying attention to what I said. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> God damn it. it. It was good. It was a good one. I'm retroactively going to laugh. You ready? Yes. 
great. So funny. All right, I'm going to edit that in the right place. <laughs> You're not gay? Why didn't you, why'd you talk to me for four hours? Billy Meyer would have been like, oh, wait a minute. All right, I'm gay now. <laughs> great. So funny. Yeah, I kind of, part of me is like, there's no way that a dude with a beard that large isn't like trying to get peed on by a underage person or something. And then there's another part of me that's just like, I don't know, I can kind of see it that he's like, I just want to have the friends. I don't have an arm. I like spend all my time making these weird UFO photos. You want to come help me make my photos? I tried to get, I tried to build the drum set and I couldn't get the like pulley system right. So I just gave up on it. Now, this is what I have. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It would not be Meyer's efforts to start a cult that would endear him to the UFO community, however. It was his photography. Meyer claims to have photographed and filmed alien spacecrafts that he's seen over the course of his life. So, let's talk about some of these photos. Um, the The first photo is from a series that was like his very, the, the first photos that he claimed to have taken. Um, there's like six of them in this series and they're uh, from very far away uh, we see some uh, some disc-like elements um, the photo basically is uh, the bottom third of the picture plane is le a leave covered ground some trees and then there's some sort of like stand in the in the middle ground and then very far in the distance uh we see some uh we see some flying objects that may or may not be saucers yeah they're very like even though they're far off they're very clearly defined as flying saucers like they're they're out of focus but they're like you can really clearly see the shape of them which is like which is suspect because it's like i feel like they, if those were really flying in the air given like motion and all that stuff, they would just look like blurs. They would just look like little blobs. But they're like very clearly defined in that saucer shape. So you're, you're not buying this one? No. Okay. What about this next one? The next one is a blue photograph. There is a large tree basically in silhouette on the left hand of the picture plane. Blue overcast sky. Uh, and then close to the camera, almost you know, in the foreground of the picture plane, is a UFO. Um, what do you think? buying it not buying it yeah i mean definitely not for for a variety of reasons number one it just does doesn't look real uh number two it's way too close like it's flying like it's flying like 10 feet in the air like this is down it's it's like flying and it's in front of a tree so it's like this is down on the ground where you could like reach out and touch it like this is the the, the, the alien would never fly this close to the ground and if they did it would certainly have been spotted by somebody else and then also it's like the am I insane or the proportions are just way off like this thing. This thing is like the it's the size of like it's the size of like this box. Like it, <laughs> it's tiny compared to that tree. And given like the depth of field and stuff, this thing is tiny. Mm -hmm. OK, so zero for two so far for Billy Meyer. Uh, what about this one? This is a this. What about this third one? This one, the bottom two thirds of the picture plane are a grass field with logs that have been cut, a very thin winding road arcing from the left side of the picture plane up to the middle of it, a tree line, and then the top two thirds of the picture plane are a clear sky and a flying UFO, uh, kind of zipping across the uh, the sky part. What do you think? Oh, this one's real. It's definitely the most convincing so far that we've seen. No, this, one, this one's real. 100%. One for three. Let's keep going. 
All right, next up, this one is a little bit of a low res. This is one from the this is one from the original six, I believe. Uh, photographs. Um, bottom two thirds of the picture plane are grass, rolling hills, very idyllic. The hills are alive with the sound of music style landscape. Top one third of the picture plane is a bluish green sky. Dead center in the middle of it is a very pixelated UFO. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, my my answer to these are all the same. I mean. Spoiler alert or kayfabe alert. That last one was not real either. And this one isn't real. These are just these are just the the equivalent of those fairy pictures that Car Arthur Conan Doyle believed in. Yeah, totally. Um, the next one is the cover of the book, The Billy Meyer Story, Spaceships of the Pleiadians by Carl K. Korf. And um, I don't think that that's a real flying saucer, but I do like this photo more. Um, and then finally, we have uh, two photos, one of a young Billy Meyer in what appears to be the 1960s or 70s in a trench coat in a field pointing at two impacts in the ground that he claims were UFO landing like struts that impacted the ground there. And then the third one or the second one is the undercarriage of a UFO that is out of focus in the foreground that's taking up like all of the top half of this picture plane uh, and it's like looming like five feet away from the photographer and then a very idyllic kind of Swiss countryside. And uh, in the parlance of early 2000s 4chan, I've seen a lot of shops in my day and that's a shop you can tell from all the pixels. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that is just a quintessential tokusatsu forced perspective. Like the top of the, the ship isn't even in camera. It's just somebody holding it there. Obviously, like the shadow play isn't correct. Um, yeah, it's it's great. It's also like it's also like the it's just like the rotary wheel from a carburetor or something. Like, <laughs> But, you know, the these were pretty convincing when he was putting them out in, you know, basically throughout the last 40 years or so he was putting out photo after photo after photo and they gained a lot of traction and they gained a lot of acclaim and for a certain percentage of true believer these were the holy grail these were the photos that you know people would take to family gatherings and be like see look it's a fucking real thing i'm not crazy mom look at this mom look at this picture of this of just this piece of metal from a car that i'm holding in front of this pic this camera so basically, you know, this, uh, you know, Billy Meyer is one of the people who kind of cement the visual iconography of what he's not the only person. He's not the only person, but he's one of the people to cement the visual iconography of what, you know, UAP UFO uh, visuals are, you know, like he really kind of in an era where everyone was trying to prove that these things existed. He's someone who was pointed to as not being a hoax you know he was somebody in, in many ways like the the famous photo of nessie that has been disproven multiple times that this had a life similar to that where it was just my dick today i think most people i was swimming in the i was swimming in the lock on a vacation someone snapped a picture it was just my dick today a lot of people you know um I think in some ways are more media literate and in other ways way less media literate 
Um, yeah, there's, there's like a trade-off where it's like we've traded like the in- intellectual ability to discern bullshit that I think people just didn't have back then. We've traded it for like such a massive influx of content and such like advanced technology for faking things that people are just too exhausted to differentiate uh, reality from fiction. I think there's also, you know, you know, you've talked a lot about like context laundering and how that works on the internet. And I think there's something that happened in a pre-internet stage that is somewhat similar specifically with Billy Meyer. You know, he went out and took these photos, made all these insane claims, but people never really came in contact with his whole like light being reincarnation Pleiadian conspiracy other than UFOologists, you know, those people did. But most of the normies are just like, oh, the guy who took the photo that's in Fox Mulder's office. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I know that photo. And then they're like, oh, wow, that was a real thing. Like, he really saw that. I just thought that was something they made for the show. Like, holy shit. Aliens must be real. Yeah, it's like the it's like the the circles of 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 circles of context where it's like that happening in QAnon, and it also happened in uh, Am Shinrikyo, where the inner circle, they knew about the murders and the fact that they were, like, keeping people prisoner and shit and having and launching terrorist attacks. And then the outer circle, they didn't know about that stuff. They just thought it was, like, a, a cult where you just, like, hung out and, like, worshipped this dude and aligned your spiritual energy or whatever. And if those outer circle people had known about the murders, they would have quit. So they – but they needed those people for resources. And the same thing with QAnon, the, 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 the large swath of QAnon believers that they kind of need for the movement to exist don't know about, largely don't know about the, we literally believe that like Jews are satanic pedophiles that are controlling the world. They don't know about that part of it. And if they were, if they did know about it, they would be less likely to be all in on QAnon if they, if, if they knew that. I think that's really interesting, though, about Billy Myers specifically, though, because in some ways, his lack of charisma actually was helped by this weird context circle laundering stuff in a pre-internet age where it's like if anybody who like was a diehard Billy Meyer believer has to come face to face with the guy being like, and then they're just like a. You're just like, you know, if you blink, then you turn gay. It's no big deal. But like, uh, you know, it's gross. Ew. Like immediately the the, the kayfabe gets broken because he can't do it in person. He's not a showman. He's not convincing in the way that like Bob Lazar is whether or not you fully buy into it or don't. He's got a weird chariz- charisma and he's he can talk and he he's a showman on a certain level. Right. Um, Billy Meyer, not a match. Yeah, 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 for sure. And in that same way where like sometimes there's like a musician or an author or whatever where you kind of have a very specific idea of them and then you start you watch some like long in-depth interviews with them or somebody makes a documentary about them and you're kind of like I kind of just wish I'd never saw that side of them. They like it kind of it kind of like broke the illusion for me and now I think of them in a completely different way that isn't quite as romanticized as it as it was before i kind of liked it when i just knew them through their artwork and and it's the same thing it's like seeing this stuff in bits and pieces on an early internet and then also pre-internet just like word of mouth and weird like conspiracy theory and paranormal rags and things like that like 
you can imagine whoever you want Billy Meyer to be. But then you see actual interview footage with him and you're just like, oh, this is this is this is nothing. This is like some boring uncle. Yeah, it's kind of like the John Keel stuff where like the myth of the Mothman and the myth of John Keel going down there and interviewing everybody and like making this document of all of these eyewitness accounts of the Mothman showing up and fucking things up and then becoming this kind of symbol or harbinger of of doom and destruction is really interesting. And then you read the book and like most of it's about ultra terrestrials, you know, like he basically was just like, so the Mothman is a part of like a aliens and like they all are aliens and they live in the earth, but then they come out of the earth because they're the ultra terrestrials and then the aliens and the Mothman is just one of them. And like ghosts are also ultra terrestrials. He Highlander tooed it. Well, it's almost the reverse. It's almost like he made a mythology that nobody liked. And the common version of the mythology is like what people relate to. And so now there's this kind of like weird stutter step where it's like, we love, we love the Mothman, but not necessarily the ultra terrestrials. Like we don't really vibe with that aspect of it so much. Um, And I love the ultra terrestrial stuff. I'm like, this is great. This is fantastic. Like the men in black are here. There's aliens like it basically is like it retcons, you know, like North Point or whatever, whatever the small town is that uh, Mothman happened in like it, it like retcons it into being like the nexus of all realities ostensibly because just like everything spooky comes from the ultra terrestrials. It's like kind of awesome. I think that's really cool. Um, but most people don't. During one of his journeys on the extraterrestrial ships, Billy took photos of two women, Asket and Nira, dubbed Contact 031. This experience was pivotal for Billy. He peddled these two photos for years as definitive proof of his extraterrestrial contact. Uh, so we're looking at the photos of uh, on the left. That's the, the bluish photos. Bluish green are Asket. And uh, what does that look like, Spandrew? These just look like members of ABBA. Yeah, pretty much. It's a blonde woman wearing earth makeup with uh, blonde hair and these cute little like 70s bangs things. And then um, to the right of that is another photo of the same woman on the set of uh, the Dean Martin show. (laughs) (laughs) Her name is Michelle Delafave. And she's one of the two members of a group called the Gold Diggers, uh, which performed on the Dean Martin show regularly. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, is that Asket knew that she had to uh, integrate herself in with society. And the only way that she could really get, you know, to the heart of all of our Earth authority figures is to become a pop star, a nationally recognized pop star. But the thing is, is that... Uh, after studying the music industry for a decade, she vastly overestimated the, the 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 longevity of disco. So actually, her career stalled its first two years, and she ended up just kind of being like a small flash, you know, flash in the pan singer. And then she ended up doing some background work for a while, and then she was doing like you know state fairs and things like that so it didn't quite pan out the way that she was wanting it to be but you know she still she she had like a couple little like minor hits here and there (laughs) yeah in 1997 Meyer's ex-wife Calliope told interviewers that his photos of spaceship models were crafted with items like trash can lids carpet tracks and other household objects 
and that the stories that he told of his adventures with the aliens were similarly fictitious. Fucking Calliope. Fucking Calliope. She's breaking the kayfabe, bro. You goddamn narc. Yeah, come on. Let me, let me you, read that. You let me read kark. Thing. You kark. K- kayfabe narc. Kayfabe narc. I think one of the things that's interesting about Billy Meyer to me is that a lot of the people we talk about on this show are they have a large cultural impact, but the true nature of their character is not widely known. So they have this kind of like dark secret where Billy Meyer, everybody knows that he's a fucking fraud. And yet he still has had this very tangible impact on our culture and specifically UFO culture. Uh, Spandrew Spice, what are your final thoughts on old Billy Mai Mai? I think he's interesting in a different way because I think he's not particularly actually interesting as a um, cult-ish or fringe conspiracy theorist figure he's kind of he's kind of a little bland in that regard right uh but the way he's interesting is that uh and i, and I think this this was talked about and echoed a lot in in the QAnon episodes uh, to the point where i kind of feel like this is almost a little bit of a precursor to that which is uh you know this idea of like if you don't have the charisma if you don't have the x factor if you don't have the chutzpah to pull together and start a cult, um, you can sort of like operate in the background, in the shadows, silently to sort of like accomplish a similar goal without sort of showing your hand that you're actually not charismatic at all. Um, so, you know, he he didn't make and maybe this wasn't even purposeful, but he you know, he didn't make too much of a presence of himself. He didn't go out there and let people see how kind of boring and bland he was. He kind of just created this like ghost in the machine mythology about himself that kind of spoke for itself and cemented himself as a figure in ufology um, and the the greater, you know, paranormal uh, cryptozoology world, um, despite not having a lot of the skill set and the, uh, the, the positive attributes that a lot of these people have. Um, and I and I, I feel like that's interesting because that's that's what we talked about or that's what was talked about a lot on the QAnon episodes, which is like, how do you start a cult if you're just like a, a vacuum of charisma and you're just some nerdy kid on the internet who doesn't know how to pull your shit together, um, operate silently in the background and let your lore do the work for you? Um, and, I, and I feel like that's that's kind of an interesting case of this kind of being similar in the way that he carved out a a place for himself in cryptozoology. Yeah, he. He also feels like somebody who is a little bit past their time, you know? Like, I feel like he would have just had this huge cult following if he had taken those shitty, I'm going to turn the bottom side of a vacuum cleaner into a UFO photos in, like, 1920, you know? Like, if he took those, he would have blown the fuck up. But he was, like, he was too early to be, like, a a digital hoaxer, you know, who actually has technical know-how and is making, like, weird you know, CG aerial phenomena videos. And he's too late to be a part of the like burgeoning initial wave of people who are making these, um, you know, even or even like, you know, uh, uh, just fabricating evidence of like crop circles or, or, you know, uh, being involved in this extraterrestrial curiosity that global culture has um, during those the last two centuries. Um, And it's it's weird to me to be like, you missed your shot, Billy. You missed your shot to, like, take advantage of people. 
you know like i'm not like rooting for him or anything but it's weird seeing somebody who's out of time because usually it's the other way usually it's people are too far ahead of their ahead of their their the curve to be taken seriously in whatever their pursuit is either a huckster thing or just as an art- artist or whatever but yeah he's uh he's out here he's trying to convince people too old to rock and roll too young to die good thing he can spend the rest of his life just growing that beard also he's still alive i think he's like 81 or two he's like still around too old to rock and roll old enough to die but he's defying statistics <laughs> yeah yeah uh well i'm dave baker and i'm spandrew spice this has been deep cuts if you'd like to find me on the internet you can do so at heydavebaker.com or you can also find my books everyone is tulip halloween boy the third issue of which just went live you can now order that get it shipped to you or, or any of my other books spandrew where can people find you on the internet you can find me in a in the laboratory of a, a spaceship floating thousands of miles above the earth being probed and prodded, looking over and seeing just two hot alien ladies and being like, you know what? I feel like you guys could be a disco singing duo. And uh, you can't find me on social media because I'm not on social media. In fact, hey, listening out there, the midterms just happened. Midterm elections in the United States. If you're if you are a member of this great nation for the past, you know, three or four months leading up to the midterms, did you feel like the fucking apocalypse was, was upon us and that like all the worst people were going to win the elections and it was going to be this horrible landslide victory for fascism? And the world was just going to descend into darkness. Well, I didn't. And you know why? Because I got off of Twitter and TikTok like two months ago. I won't, I won't, I won't say anything specific about that. I don't want to be obnoxious. I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. Just do with that information what you will. And uh, you can also find, uh, if you want to pay your respects to the dear beloved Papa Pricey, you can get his book, Deadbolt AI Private Eye, by going to his website, dapricerights.com. Uh, who knows who's paying for the hosting on that site at this point? It's not me, um, but it still is up. Um, uh, you can follow us on social media at uh, on Facebook, just Deep Cuts Podcast. You can follow our Facebook group, the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group, where we talk about the show and make memes. You can join our Discord server, bitly.com slash Deep Cuts Discord, where we talk about the show, make memes, uh, talk about other things. And we also play games. Uh, and we're uh, deeply, deep, deep into this game, this counting game where you basically just like have to like type the next number in a sequence of numbers and you just keep going until somebody fucks it up. And that doesn't sound fun. And yet, like we've just been playing it nonstop for the last like three weeks since I installed the game. Uh, you should come check it out. You can also go to our website, deepcutspod.com and click on our shop. You can buy shirts and hats and all kinds of stuff with Deep Cuts graphics on them. You can buy our uh, Mystery Treehouse Junior Sleuth shoulder patch. Um, and that's it. Follow us on Instagram at Deep Cuts Pod, TikTok at Mystery Treehouse. Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.